Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Jamie All Over. I have on a guest who I've been wanting to have on probably since episode one. And she's probably one of the busiest people that I know. I'm just so happy that I finally got her today by popular demand, I will say, because a lot of people were writing in and asking me to get her on. And I will warn my guest and you guys that this is probably going to be the longest intro ever because she has accomplished so much. And I'll probably embarrass her with this very long intro, but here we go. This is my friend, my business partner, an inspiration for women, entrepreneur, new homeowner, founder of Sugar Taco, The Plant Butchers, EDL Animal Rescue Foundation, Asukar Tequila. She's an animal lover and activist, a vegan, a former Playboy Playmate of the Year. I don't is it I don't know if it's former or if you just you have the title of that forever. Just have it forever. Okay. <laughs> She's appeared on several reality shows that we may or may not get into, depending on if she wants to talk about it, including The Hills. A former nightclub owner. She was also on the team that started Toka Madeira and Takaya. And last but not least, you guys hear me talk about my dog Batman all the time on this podcast, who I love dearly. I would not have him without her. She rescued him. I'm so grateful for her. Please welcome Jade Nicole to the show. That was definitely the longest intro I have received. (laughs) (laughs) As I'm writing the things, I'm like, what more can I add? What more can I add? I do know a lot about you, but I left off a lot too because you actually have a lot of stuff upcoming that I didn't even touch on. It's true. It does sound kind of ridiculous when you say it out loud sometimes. <laughs> of that whole list of everything, what would you say you were most grateful for or most proud of if there is one? Wow. Honestly, just all of it. I feel very fortunate to be in a position where I'm able to make these companies come to life just from what's in my head to actual reality. And that's, you know, something that's really hard to do, but also not everyone is in a position to make that happen. So I'm very thankful for all of them. Obviously, my animal rescue is near and dear to my heart. But I think, you know, Sugar Taco probably saves more animals at the end of the day. So it's a hard (laughs) toss up. (laughs) Well, let's get right into Sugar Taco. What is the origin story? How did that even go from an idea to two and now upcoming three restaurants? Oh, it has kind of a long origin story because originally when I was owning and operating nightclubs, we had one in Hollywood and every time we would leave the club, we would all be starving and there was no good food anywhere around and we'd end up getting just like fast food french fries and whatever else. And I thought to myself, it would be super cool to do a food truck, even just like parked outside my own nightclub so that when everyone was leaving and hungry, they could have food. First, I was thinking of doing plant-based poutine because I'm Canadian and that's like a big food. I don't want to say food group because it's not a food group, but it's a very important staple in Canada. Yes. Then plant-based tacos was my next go-to because I love 
everything Mexico. I spend a lot of time there. I actually lived there part-time for four years. So I really wanted to do that. Looking into food trucks and all the craziness that comes with it, I kind of shelved it because it was a lot. Then the years kind of passed and we started opening more nightclubs and we started opening some restaurants and I was able to put vegan menus on those restaurants, but not able to make it fully vegan. And probably about four or five years passed and I was doing all the marketing for the Toca Madera and Tokaya. And I was having to post on social media, you know, like chicken tacos and, you know, steak. And I really, it felt very ingenuine and it kind of ran in the complete opposite direction of the rest of my life. So I just decided, you know what, this is not for me. Like I love hospitality. I love the restaurant space, but it was mostly male dominated and it was a lot of meat and dairy and things that I obviously do not (laughs) believe humans should consume. Mm -hmm. So I called up my best friend, Brittany, at the time and just said, hey, I have this idea of doing a plant-based Mexican restaurant. Do you want to do it with me? And she was like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we both, uh, you know, I pulled all my money out of those businesses, quit my job, and she quit her job. We just dove headfirst into creating and developing Sugar Taco. That is so cool. You did mention that it was kind of a male-dominated space. And I think that that's where you and I connected when I was first interested in investing in Sugar Taco, when I heard your story about that, because I was kind of just coming off the heels of that. And I was in commercial real estate. I was the only female ever at the table, ever in the meetings. I was like, why am I fighting so hard for a seat at this table? I would rather get up and do my own thing. Yeah. Did you kind of feel that same way being in that male-dominated space? Yeah. At first, you don't really notice anything's wrong, I feel like, because when you're in those industries, it's just, it's always, you know, you and guys. When I started in hospitality, I was only 23 years old owning and operating, and a lot of people that worked for me were men, and they were older than me, and it was always a battle. It was never team effort. They did not like being told what to do (laughs) by a woman or by someone younger than them. And it was very challenging. And we would have meetings and I would have these amazing ideas of things to do marketing-wise or how to make the company more eco-friendly while also making it more profitable. And, you know, a lot of the times it would just kind of get brushed off or brushed under the table like, oh, that's impossible or that's not a good idea. And then like a month later one of the guys would bring it up and it would be like, genius, this is such a great thing to do. And I was like, yeah, where did you get that idea from? Because I pitched this. So frustrating. And you know, that just kind of wore me down over time. And I really just wanted something different. And when I first, you know, invested in the nightclub space, and it was my first investment, I honestly had no idea what I was doing. I invested a quarter of a million dollars, which was every single penny that I had made and saved my entire life, which don't ever do that. (laughs) (laughs) No one told me, you know, anything. I just thought like, here's my first investment. I want to make a mark and I want to be taken seriously. I signed documents I didn't fully understand because men that were older than me that I trusted were like, oh, it's fine. Yeah, just check that box and go ahead and sign. And it really was something that I wanted to take upon myself to allow women to invest in these companies I was creating and also to help educate them on what to do and what not to do of things that I learned the not so easy way. And also even that first investment that I made, they didn't come to me to invest. They came to me and asked me to connect them to my boyfriend to invest. And I was Ugh. like, okay, cool. But what about me? <laughs> exactly. Women are overlooked all the time. And that's why I love that you were initially moving forward with male investors in Sugar Taco. And then all of a sudden, you kind of had a light bulb moment. You were like, no, I want women to invest. For sure. So, you know, it's a learning process. Like I knew I definitely wanted to work with more women and empower more women. But even, you know, myself, my first go to was men that I knew that had money that always said, if you do something, please let me know. I want to invest in you and your business and whatever you're doing. So when I first called Brittany, I was like, I have these two investors, they'll fully fund us like no problem. Let's go. Yeah, I basically had like a nightmare slash dream about it. Okay, so not quite a light bulb, but a nightmare. Okay. 
I was I had a lot of my revelations in my sleep, honestly. Okay. And I woke up at like 3 a.m. and I can't remember if I texted or I called Brittany, but I was like, I don't want to take their money. You know, we're just starting over a fresh company with the same old, same old. Because even though I'm a woman, I'm still conditioned to go to men for investors. And it took Mm -hmm. a lot to break that down. Because even when Brittany and I were sitting down and making the list of like, okay, who do we want to approach? What women to invest? We'd be like, oh, her. Oh, does she have money? Oh, I don't know. Oh, do you think she could do it? I'm not sure. And it really is ingrained in you that women aren't investors, that women don't have their own money, that they're not willing to take risks with their money as much. And even though I am a woman myself who had been an investor and had my own money, it still was something that was just in your subconscious, basically. And you just don't even think about that prejudice that you have, but even I had it myself. And so we started down this very long road of reaching out to women that we thought would be great. And I think all except one investor in our first sugar taco, it was their first investment. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. How did you go about recruiting them? Well, our very first investor ever was Tina Louise. Love her. We didn't even ask her. We were talking about it near her. And she was like, what about me? Aw. And we were like, oh, you want to invest? And she was like, yeah. And we were kind of like, oh, like I didn't know that you were in a position to invest. And she's like, yeah. She's like, here's $100,000. And we were like, what? Like, we just had no idea. She didn't even, God love her. She's one of my best friends. But she literally just was like, here, I trust you. And I'm like, girl, you have paperwork. And she's like, that's fine. We'll figure it out. (laughs) Uh, Honestly, her, and again, I don't suggest anyone does that. (laughs) But just her like, hearing the idea and being so excited about what we were doing and just hopping on board. And also just the fact that it was the same thing. Tina was a close friend of mine and I would have never even thought to ask her to invest. And here she was just like able to invest in a heartbeat, you know? And so that kind of started us with, okay, who's next? Who do we want? And we started looking at, you know, just women in our life, like friends, people that we knew that were across all industries Um, We just started messaging them and we were like, hey, we're starting this company. Um, We want all women investors. We, you know, I don't know if you've invested before, but if you're interested, I'll send you the deck and we can hop on a phone call or meet, you know, in person and chat about this. And we just had meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting (laughs) for (laughs) literally one whole year until we had our, you know, our first team for the first sugar taco. That's incredible. What have you learned throughout the process of bringing on women investors and teaching them how to invest if it was their first investment? Definitely a lot. I mean, as we've progressed, you know, as you said, we're going into our third sugar taco and and into plant butcher. I've definitely noticed a difference even from our initial round of funding. Almost every single woman in the initial round of funding was like, oh, I have to talk to my dad. Oh, I have to talk to my brother. Oh, I have to talk to my boyfriend, husband. And every single person kind of deflected to a male in their life to give advice. And honestly, some okay. of them advised not to invest. And some of them we hopped on a call and they they advised. But I found it to be so interesting. And I'm like, listen, I want everyone to be certain. Talk to whoever you have to talk to. But at the end of the day, do your own research as well. Don't just take the men in your life's knowledge for word because a lot of them didn't have any experience investing or in restaurants or in the plant-based space either. Right. And so I think that was really eye-opening for us dealing with a lot of men thinking that they know better in investor meetings was kind of funny. (laughs) Like (laughs) really trying to like trip you up on stuff or like asking questions that were like not real questions that you would ask just trying to make something difficult, but that wouldn't make any sense. Annoying. It's very interesting. Not just the industry of restaurants, but the industry of investing in general, I think has really been opened up to women in a lot of different areas. And so I think they're getting a little bit more confident and and a lot of women are realizing their power and realizing like, hey, I have this money, I can invest it. I can look into companies and find companies that resonate with me that match with my beliefs and I can invest in them. And so it's definitely the conversations have shifted a little bit and it's been really interesting. I love that so much. And I know when we first had our initial conversation about me initially investing in Sugar Taco 2 and Sherman Oaks, all it took for me was like, 
In fact, before I even got on the phone with you, I already knew I was going to invest. It didn't even matter what you were going to say because I was just so in love with the mission and I had full belief in the brand, in the company, in you. I was just like, anyone who loves animals can't be bad. (laughs) And again, like investors out there, don't do that. (laughs) Like definitely look into it. But I think I literally said, I was like, look, even if I lose my investment, I don't care. Like I'm going to look at that as me giving away charitable donations to a mission that I care about. That's how much I was in love with the whole concept. And that's what I tell every investor that I talk to now. I'm like, listen, investing is risky. I'm never going to sell someone on something. I love our brand. I feel very confident in our brand. We're expanding. We're doing awesome stuff. We just signed a deal for a cookbook, which we can touch on later. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it's very risky to invest your money in anything. The world is crazy. And as we learned since in our first year, COVID hit, I tell people, listen, this is risky. If you need this money to survive, don't invest it. Yeah. But that's why I always tell people like invest in things that you can enjoy because like as an investor, you come into Sugar Taco too. You eat there, you have catering, you bring your friends there. It's something that you can enjoy. Absolutely. And I think another thing that drew me in was the charity component. You have the doggy menu. A hundred percent of that goes to a different animal organization every month. And then the children's menu where that goes to help feed kids in need. And that alone was just like, if anyone asks me for advice on investing in companies, I always say, make sure that there is a charitable component to it, because those are the types of people that you want to work with, in my opinion. You mentioned that I go in, I bring my friends. It's so fun, but also it's so rewarding because I'm able to raise money for food donations. And this coming week, we're going to be doing one at the LA Vegan Handout. It's the first vegan-only food donation in Los Angeles. And stuff like that just makes me so happy to be able to provide that for others and be a part of something like that. So I do love the whole charity component as well. And I think that's really important in business. I completely agree. I think we know we kind of built that into the structure of our company from the very beginning. And, you know, we're always looking for new ways to integrate it. Like we had our special, you know, with PETA for Empty the Tanks to support their efforts against SeaWorld. And we're working on a couple upcoming events and we work with Gentle Barn all the time. And we try to support and help, you know, wherever we can. And we are a small business, so we can't do everything, but we try to, you know, anything we can do, we definitely try to do. Absolutely. You had mentioned COVID before. This is a tough time. If you can't afford to invest, don't invest. Something that really intrigued me, sales had doubled from the first year to the second year, but the second year was during the pandemic. Yeah. So it was definitely a weird time. I think that if you've opened a restaurant in the last like four years, it's probably the strangest time (laughs) to own a restaurant. Yeah. We were open for about seven months when COVID hit. And we was definitely slow at the start. I think I thought we were going to come out of the gate like super busy and crazy from the very beginning. And it wasn't as busy at the beginning. We really had to make a name for ourselves in the vegan space because people would walk by and be like, what is this place? We'd be like, oh, plant-based Mexican. They'd be like, ooh, vegan food. No, thanks. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I was like expecting that as a vegan, <laughs> you know, I wasn't yeah. for that. So it was a slow build and we really started to hit our stride in December, January, and February. We were super busy. We were paying out to investors. We were doing super great. And then March hit and COVID just completely shut us down. Yeah. And we immediately started brainstorming. What can we do to make sure that we're still able to serve our customers and still make profit and still keep our staff and keep everyone safe at the same time, which was an extreme challenge to have as a small business. We pivoted, we set up curbside pickup and online orders and deliveries. We stocked some groceries and other stuff like that. A couple months after that, when we were able to open in store, but we had to have all the, you know, Everyone knows the millions of rules. We were so busy because not all restaurants were able to do these things. Not all restaurants had patios. Not all restaurants were in a price point where it was affordable to order delivery or to go because no one wants to order a $40 salad to eat out of a container in your own house. Yeah. So we really were in that sweet spot. Yeah, we were super, super busy. And we actually opened our second one in the middle of the craziness. 
And when we first opened our Sherman Oaks location, it was so busy that we actually couldn't even handle it. We had hour-long wait times. It was actually super chaotic Mm -hmm. because it was so busy, which is like a good problem to have. But Exactly. But yeah, it was pretty crazy. And then it started to level out a little bit once everyone was able to be open again. Then it went back to being regular, consistent. But yeah, it's been all over the place with the you know, supply chain issues and the gas prices. And it's there's always something new happening for sure. (laughs) Totally. But yeah, you never know what's going to happen. Things that you think, oh, this is going to be terrible end up, you know, as long as you pivot and get into a proper space can actually be successful for you. And things that you think are going to be super crazy good can end up just not really having an effect. So you really got to learn to think on your feet and roll the punches if you're going to be in the industry. Exactly. And it's probably one of the hardest industries to be in. Something I'm actually really also very proud of about Sugar Taco is the green business certification. Yeah. What is the criteria for that? Well, we'll kind of start at the beginning and that most businesses, restaurants included, greenwash like crazy, including restaurants I used to be a part of where I, you know, didn't have a choice and everything is compostable and this and that and the other, um, which is, of course, not a real thing unless you have a commercial compost facility that you throw your trash into, which nobody yeah, does. Right. And so when we started Sugar Taco, I was like, listen, I want this to be a true green company. I actually, and so does Brittany, genuinely care about our planet and our oceans and having clean air (laughs) for people Mm -hmm. to breathe. And so it really took a lot of research because it is difficult to do. And I do understand why a lot of people kind of stick their head in the sand and go, oh, well, we're buying compostable. So we're doing our part because it's very hard to find options to function as a business as you want to, to be able to find to-go containers and drink cups that won't melt (laughs) with liquid in them. And and it doesn't just stop at the to-go containers. Sugar Taco is completely paperless. So we don't print tickets for our kitchen. We have digital screens. We don't print receipts for our guests. Everything is digital. And that saves so much paper. If you think about a restaurant, you know, having 200 tickets a day, that's 200 to the customer, 200 to the kitchen. That's 400 pieces of paper every single day that you're open. Yeah. I get so mad no matter where I go when I get a receipt because it's just going in the trash. And whenever I can say I don't want a receipt, obviously I will, but not everyone has that option. And I feel like nowadays people need to be thinking more of that. And it kind of baffles me as to why people don't think that way. You know, it just is education. I never used to think about a lot of the things now that I'm like, wow, I really did that. Like that really was something I didn't think about. But for us, we knew and we knew better. So we did better. And we We made sure that we picked a system that worked that way. And it took time to train our staff and customers, honestly, because sometimes if every so often we get someone that really wants a printed receipt and we don't even have that option, they get very upset. And so we train our staff on, you know, how to educate people why we choose to do it this way. But also our cleaners, our hand soap, our disinfectants, our everything (laughs) that goes into properly running and disinfecting a restaurant, making sure we're finding stuff that is not only cruelty-free, of course, but vegan, that also meets the regulations for health and safety in, in California and things that are safe for our waterways. And it's really, really challenging, but we do take it very seriously. It's crazy that more restaurants or businesses aren't. Sugar Taco is proof that it can be done and you can still be profitable and thrive. Well, here's the thing too, is that we met the requirements tenfold. We were doing things that wasn't even on their radar. Wow. So the fact that now that I know what the criteria is, it's very loose. If a restaurant does not have that, I'm like, what are you doing? I'm very happy we do have that. And, you know, we've actually, we won an award our first year open as well, specifically because I think of all the restaurants that had been certified that year, like we had truly gone above and beyond the standards. So yeah, I think every single restaurant can do it a hundred percent. And a lot of it is not even more expensive, truthfully. Some things are, but a lot of it is not. And I think that the bare minimum of what everyone should be doing for sure. Yeah. And in business, not everything needs to come down to the last penny. Doing good for the environment is worth more sometimes. And I think customers appreciate that as well. And they become 
more loyal to you as well. So all in all, it's just such a good thing. The logo jars that we have at Sugar Taco, one of my favorite things. People love them. They're so cute. If you purchase a large drink, you get them in a glass logo jar. You can bring it back for a discounted drink at a later time. Do we know the stats on that? How many plastic bottles it's saved so far? We've run them a couple times and it's kind of insane because (laughs) the thing about our sugar taco glass jars is that you can use them every day. You can use them for your Mm -hmm. water. You can use them for your coffee. You can use them for your juices, your smoothies. You can use them to store things in your cupboards. Like I have some extra in my car. Like I use them for everything every day. So we've probably sold about 50,000 of them since Mm -hmm. we've been opened. And you think that if someone is replacing it, just even one plastic water bottle a day over years, it's exponential. It's just, it's crazy the difference that it makes. And we hope that everyone is utilizing them and reusing them. And we'll have some customers come in and be like, I have a cupboard just of sugar taco jars. Like I use them Mm -hmm. for absolutely everything. We love that. So they're one of our favorite initiatives for sure. Yeah, I love them. I'm actually drinking my coffee out of one right now. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Twins. So you did mention education, and I think you're so right with that because a lot of times people aren't trying to do harm to the environment or to animals, but a lot of it comes down to education. I'm thinking back a couple months ago, I was at this influencer event in Huntington Beach with my friend Sheena and her sister Courtney. I remember I was texting you for help because the event I won't I won't say the brand but they were launching a new product which was like a vegan cruelty-free sunscreen that was safe for marine life as well and they were also introducing a beach cleanup initiative that they were doing as a company on top of that as they're discussing how important it is to take care of the marine life we are all seated to a dinner in which they are serving tuna tartare <laughs> And I turn to Sheena and Courtney and I'm like grabbing Sheena's leg as they're talking about helping the oceans and everyone around me is eating tuna. And I was like, does anyone but me realize the hypocrisy here? And Sheena's like, don't say anything (laughs) because they thought it would be rude to say that at this event. And so I'm texting you about it. And you reminded me like, hey, there is actually a respectful way to educate people because they just might not know. So later on, when I was one on one with the event organizer, I did kind of say it in a respectful way. And I was so happily surprised at her reaction, which was, I totally agree with you. And I'm going to push even harder for the next event to make sure that we are not serving food that goes against what our mission is. And I was like, thank you for saying that. Also, if you need sugar taco, let me know. (laughs) (laughs) It's true though. You know, there were so many times early in my animal rescue career that I would go to, you know, a fundraiser for, you know, a dog rescue, cat rescue, a wild animal rescue, whatever it was. And they would be serving meat and dairy Mm -hmm. and eggs. And I'm like, you can't have us all here asking for money to save one animal's life while you're taking an animal's life to serve to us. Right. Like, why is this animal more important than this? And you're really going against your your own ethos of what you're saying here. And especially when it's like wild animals. And as you know, the animal agriculture as a whole is the number one reason for deforestation and species loss. So I'm like, you know, know your issue. And if you really believe in it, (laughs) definitely take it upon yourself to research. But yeah, I always try to remember that there was a time where I did not know better as well. And I used to eat dairy and eat eggs and just think, oh, well, it doesn't hurt the animal because they're just making milk or they just hatch it eggs. And there was a time where I drank out of a plastic Starbucks cup every single day of my life and I never gave it a second thought. And so I do try to educate people as as politely as possible when I'm able to. Some people are definitely lost causes because sometimes it's honestly just people don't know and people get their defenses up right away. If you're pointing out something that they think they love animals and then they do this, they think they're loving the environment and then they do this. So if you tell them something different, 
their initial reaction is always going to be to have their guard up. So totally. If you stood up and started screaming, fish murder, <laughs> I'm sure it would not have been received as well. I think it's up to the people that do know, know better to say something. And I understand why your friends would be like, oh my God, don't say something that's rude. But I truly think that it is our responsibility to say something for the animals because just planting that seed and just making that little amount of effort can make, you know, all the difference in the world. So totally, totally. And after that, I got boxes and boxes of vegan items from their company as well. So they definitely (laughs) were not offended and they appreciated the feedback. So just a little encouragement to anyone listening, feel free to speak up, but you can do it in a respectful way. Yeah. So you were vegetarian previously. I was also vegetarian most of my life from like six years old until maybe 10 years ago when I started to become vegan. How did you kind of grow up? How did you start becoming vegetarian? And then when was the shift to vegan? Yeah. So I, similar to you, I went vegetarian at about four years old, very, very young. I've only ever really eaten like chicken nuggets and hot dogs. <laughs> okay, know? so you're with me like we I don't even know what lobster tastes like. <laughs> I've never had fish or seafood ever. Wow. So, yeah. Okay. I mean, I've had fish sticks, you know, what little kids eat, but and maybe shrimp cocktail, but I and maybe baked clams. <laughs> that is the extent of my seafood knowledge. I still remember what they taste like though, strangely. But yeah, it's so funny that we don't know what a lot of things taste like. Yeah, I have no idea. But basically, I mean, I grew up in Canada in farm country. My grandfather had a farm. We drove past farms every day going to school and back. And, you know, I made friends with the animals on the farm. And one day we were sitting down about to eat uh, what I believe to be pork chops. And my stepdad at the time pointed out the name of the animal that we were eating which was a pig that I was friends with. Oh, so sad. That was the first time I made the connection to like what this food actually is. Because, you know, when you're growing up and you're served food, it's food. Right. Like think like, well, what was this before it was food? Where did this come from? And that was the first time I made the connection. I threw an absolute temper tantrum, (laughs) screaming and crying, and I never ate meat again after that. I assume your family must have been supportive in that decision, though, because at four years old, it would have been impossible for you to do that on your own, right? No. So no one knew what to do with it because no one in my family was vegan or vegetarian. My mom, thankfully, would make me my own food after, you know, me as an adult, I was a very stubborn child. There was no way you were going to tell me to do something if I did not want to do it. Um, I think I could see that now. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't say support was the right thing. Like I got made Okay. Constantly, people would hold up bacon in my face, and it was definitely tough and annoying <laughs> yeah. growing up. But then I think I went vegan probably about, I want to say around somewhere between 10 and 15 years ago. I, don't, I wasn't really keeping track, but yeah, it was actually a <laughs> I went through a perfect example of, of how to not approach people is that I went <laughs> vegan on the internet because I thought I loved animals. I loved, Mm -hmm. not that I thought, like I truly did love animals. I was, my whole entire life growing up, I always felt super connected to animals. But here I was eating cheese, eating yogurt, eating eggs, like every single day of my life. I think I must have posted something, scrambled eggs, I don't know, on my Instagram. This was when like Instagram just started existing. And a woman who was vegan came on and started yelling at me, telling me that I absolutely did not love animals and that the dairy industry and egg industry is actually worse than the meat industry and that I was doing more damage. Just basically yelled at me and told me that I didn't love animals, which in my mind I did. And so I thought, who does this girl think she is? I don't know if I can swear on your podcast. (laughs) No, you can. I was like, what a bitch. Like, how dare (laughs) Like, I know that I love animals. That's everything about my personality is I love animals. And it was really because I just didn't know. I didn't know what happened in the egg industry. I didn't know what happened in the dairy industry. And honestly, I didn't want to know. I was most definitely, you know, not ready to make any type of real change in my life. 
And after this happened, I saw back to Instagram, I saw PETA because I was also doing campaigns for PETA at the time. They posted an egg video about how male chicks are just thrown to suffocate in the trash. I cried hysterically and I immediately went vegan that day. I was like, okay, I can't hide from this. I've seen it. I know what happens. And if I truly love animals, which I do, I would never do anything to purposely harm them. And I cut out everything that same day. Wow. Good for you. Same thing with me. You know, as a vegetarian, I thought, hey, I'm not killing animals. I love animals and this isn't going to harm them. It's just, it's cheese. It just comes from milk. They're fine. The cows are fine. And then once you actually learn what's happening, you're just like, wow, I can't believe I didn't know this. And now that I know this, I can't look away. I can't ignore it. I have to become Vegan. For sure. And animal agriculture spends billions and billions of dollars to keep people from knowing. Oh, yeah. Happen are so horrific that our brains are like, no, that doesn't happen. No, that's yeah. not real. That's just propaganda. Like, no, no, people aren't doing that. No one would allow people to do that. And I think that's part of the reason why a lot of people don't cut it out because they can't imagine that that's actually allowed to happen to animals it's that and i think it's also people who want to be ignorant they won't watch the slaughterhouse videos they won't watch something like dominion seaspiracy or the game changers yeah they know it's happening but they turn a blind eye to it and to me when people do that i kind of cringe and it makes me a little sad about humanity because it's like (laughs) you know and you're still making this choice But I don't know. I think about these things all the time that used to keep me up at night. I don't focus on that anymore because I think an animal rights activist once told me when I was kind of like so depressed and like crying all the time and just so entrenched in all the slaughter and just the awful things that we as humans do to animals. And she said to me, she was like, look, you need to stay strong so that you can keep fighting for the animals. Re-traumatizing yourself by watching these videos isn't doing anyone any good. You already know what's happening. So just focus on the good and focus on those people out there that actually do want to make the changes and you can educate them. There are some people that are lost causes. And when I first really got involved and started educating myself on the whole process and took my plant-based nutrition course at Cornell, I watched every single documentary. I researched every single study that was done. I read all the books and I really fell down that rabbit hole like, oh my God, this is happening. And I found myself fighting with every single troll on the internet, trying to educate Mm -hmm. them about deforestation and ocean dead zones and all this terrible stuff and how easy it was to fix it. And there are definitely some people that are not ready to know this information and it does not matter how you present it. They will not absorb it. And you're right, as you know, an activist and as a person in this space, you definitely need to pick and choose your battles because it is very exhausting and it definitely does make you hate human beings <laughs> Just plain and clear like there are some mm-hmm. humans but dealing with trolls on the internet in this space can be very detrimental to your mental health and so you definitely pick and choose your battles and I think that's one of the reasons I really started sugar taco and we're doing the plant butchers and the animal rescue because I like to focus on like okay what can we do What can we do to actually help? We can make delicious tasting plant-based food affordable and accessible to people. That is something that I can do as a person. So I'm going to focus my efforts into that. Because some people are just like, they just want good food and they honestly don't care. We can get that part checked off and we can do some like super fun, light, friendly education in the process that doesn't scare anyone or turn anyone off and just plant those seeds, then that's a good place for me to really focus my energy. And that's definitely been a very helpful outlet for me thinking, you know, of all the animals lives that we've saved with sugar taco, all of the trees that we've saved, the waterways, the air pollution, it really helps to feel like you are making a dent that you're making a difference. It also doesn't hurt that the food is ridiculously delicious to the point where I even read a review, which is my favorite review. And in fact, I think we should like use it in our advertising if you haven't already. I think it was like a one star review. And this guy was so pissed off. He was like, fuck you, sugar taco. I ate a whole meal here and I thought I was eating meat. And then I found out it was vegan. And we're like, oh, my God, like that's that's the perfect ad right there. Yeah, I love it. That Yeah, I remember Brittany actually posted that review because it was hilarious. He was 
was like, I ate my whole meal and I left there and I thought it was good food. And then I found out that it wasn't even real meat. Like, oh my God. And I'm just like, thank you. That's exactly our goal is for people to just enjoy it. Like it's food. Not that it's vegan food. It's just food. Yeah. And it's a delicious meal. And that's it. It doesn't have to be categorized. Like, yes, it happens to all be made from plants and it happens to be better for the planet and animals and your health, but it just tastes like a taco. (laughs) It just tastes like a burrito. What is your favorite sugar taco order? Oh my God. Honestly, I'm very seasonal with my sugar taco ordering. (laughs) There's so much good stuff, but I think the fish taco is probably one of my all-time favorites. It's just so good. Mm Mm-hmm. Churro donut, hands down the best donut I've had. Not vegan donut, Absolutely. Like the best donut. I love our quesadilla. It's such a good go-to. If you put it in the fridge and you eat it the next day, it tastes like cold cheese pizza, which I really missed. Yeah. Because I used to love to eat next day cold cheese pizza. Yep. But also Thanksgiving and Christmas is coming up. And so our- Oh, the holiday burritos. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I think this year we're also doing holiday tacos. <gasps> Ooh, what's going to be in it? I'm not 100% sure yet. Our kitchen is working some stuff up, but I think we're going to use these dark blue, almost black tortillas, seasonal roast vegetables, turkey, mashed potatoes, a cranberry sauce. So good. American Thanksgiving food, but in a taco and a burrito and the gravy that we have, oh, it's just so good. Like it's, it is. I eat a holiday burrito like every day. <laughs> and so I'm really excited for that. Oh, so am I. So where do these recipes come from? And then also let's kind of segue into what is going into the cookbook. (laughs) So our amazing chef, Alan Campos, he did all of our recipe development, including the holiday burrito. (laughs) Okay. He continues to do all of our new specials and everything was there. A lot of the creation of the menu items are Brittany and I, like we'll be like, I want to do talkie rolled flauta with whatever and then he'll make don't remind me of that I miss it every day (laughs) I know we'll kind of come up with some like cool creative ideas we want to do and then he'll actually he's the chef so he'll get in the kitchen and make the flavors pop make it really what we have kind of like in our head and he does such a good job our cookbook is something we're so excited for. I probably get asked every day, do you guys have a cookbook? Can I get the recipe for this? Do you guys have a cookbook? Since we are currently only in Southern California, this will give us an opportunity along with some other things we're working on (laughs) together Mm -hmm. at Sugar Taco, you know, into people's homes. And we will have all of the staples, our tacos, nachos, obviously tweaked a little bit to be able to make at home, not in a commercial kitchen. Along with a lot of our specials, the Taki Flautas are in there. (gasps) Yes. (laughs) And we have just like enchiladas. We have our horchata, our jamaica. There's drinks, there's desserts, there's breakfast stuff that we used to have on our breakfast menu when we did that for a special. There's just like so much good stuff. I think we have around 100 recipes that are going into that. So, wow, that's incredible. Okay. So, this may be a fear of mine that I should not have, irrational fear, but can other restaurants steal these recipes and like make their own sugar taco food? So everything is tweaked ever so slightly. Okay. So no. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) People can definitely try, but okay, but no. Okay. Well, I want to get into listener questions. But before I do that, I also just want to mention real quick that in addition to Sugar Taco 3, which is coming very soon to Long Beach, I think we're looking at what, January? We are aiming for January, yes. Okay. Next door is a very exciting new concept called the Plant Butchers. Let everyone know a little bit about that. So we have been trying to get the Plant Butchers in a location near a sugar taco probably for the last like two and a half years. This concept is going to be exactly like a butcher deli. However, no meat, (laughs) Mm -hmm. no animal meat anyways. So we will have house-made vegan meats, cheeses, 
and a lot of grab-and-go deli stuff like mac and cheese, egg salad, sandwiches, lots of good grab-and-go stuff that you can take to work or take home. And then we'll have, you know, a small little marketplace there as well with lots of vegan goods. So we are super excited for that. We're doing barbecue kits with sausages and skewers and burgers and charcuterie boards with all kinds of amazing vegan cheeses from breeze to blue cheeses. And it's going to be some really amazing stuff. Don't forget to call me for some taste testing, please. Oh, don't you worry. That's my like most, I'm so excited for that. I'm like just waiting for the kitchen to be finished. Yeah. We have a group of chefs, actually three of them that are building this menu. Very, very talented, amazing people. And I cannot wait to make all of our vegan dreams come true with these food items that we have. I can't wait. On Instagram, I saw this vegan Jewish deli that opened, I think, their third location. It's called Ben and Esther's. And they just opened in, I think it was in Portland, but they had a line around the block. And they were doing similar but not totally similar things to the plant butchers. But it just kind of goes to show this growing need for like a deli type plant-based butcher shop. So I'm so excited. Up until the last couple years, there was like two in all like North America. And they're starting to pop up everywhere because there's a need there. Like people are looking more, even people who are not fully plant-based into adding some plant-based options into their diet, either for their health or for the planet, for the animals, whatever the reason may be. These type of shops really make it easy and accessible because sometimes going to a grocery store can be very intimidating. Like you don't know where the vegan stuff is. It's mixed in with other stuff. Sometimes it will say almond cheese but it still has dairy in it it can be very overwhelming as a new vegan or as someone that's just trying to cut back and and it can be a deterrent honestly I think the first couple times I went looking for stuff I also bought brands that were just not good and ruined my experience and so I think places like this where you can walk in and every single thing there is fully plant-based and the majority of it is made from scratch in-house with us. So not a lot of fillers or preservatives, which everyone is always concerned about in their food in general, as well as we're going to have a lot of other vegan brands that are delicious, but hard to come by in a lot of the main stores there for people as well. So we hope that it really makes it an easy access point for people. So exciting. And it's in a gorgeous building. So anyone who is local in Southern California, it will be in Long Beach. And the location is Broadway and Magnolia. Such an awesome space, super high ceilings, a nice big patio, garage type doors that fully open up. Is that how you would describe them? Garage doors? I don't yeah, know what those yeah. things are called. It's very indoor, outdoor. Yeah. I'm very excited for this location. It's yes. going to be amazing. Same. Let's get into listener questions. Shane wants to know, I am slowly trying to go vegan, but I love certain foods almost too much to give up. Buffalo wings, tacos, bacon, etc. How do I move past this obstacle? So I always tell people when they're transitioning, get rid of everything that you can live without. So if you're like, oh, I can't live without bacon, just leave that until dead last because it will get easier. And sometimes if people try to cut out their most favorite thing first, they just buckle under the pressure like I can't do it. Oh, that's good. And then just start taste testing vegan bacons and tacos. Yeah. Just Google some vegan taco recipes or come into a sugar taco and you'll be sold. But one thing I always also tell people is that vegan bacon, vegan milks, vegan everything, every brand tastes different. So if you try one vegan bacon and you hate it, that does not mean that you hate vegan bacon. That means that you don't like that brand. Absolutely. Because they're all different textures. They all use different products or different flavors. So just keep trying until you find one that you love. Yeah. And feel free to reach out to me for recommendations because I've tried everything. And I think cheese is a big one because there's some really terrible vegan cheese and then there's some really great cheese. But if they go for the terrible stuff first, then they're like turned off to all of it. And they're like, oh, no, I can't I can't have vegan cheese. Okay, next question. Natalie wants to know what's a typical day like for you? (laughs) It's probably never the same. Really, It is 
a lot of work. I'll say that I usually wake up somewhere between 4am and 6am and immediately check my phone. I'll usually have text messages and emails that have come in after I've fallen asleep that I will address first. I also have five dogs. So then I get up and take them all outside. And then I come in and sit down in my office. I start going through emails. I probably get anywhere between 200 and 500 emails a day. Wow. So I sort through those. (laughs) Just start plugging away. The restaurant starts at 6am. So there's always a delivery that didn't come in or something that's broken or something that wasn't closed properly. And that will take up the majority of my day. Just dealing with the restaurant, staffing issues, specials that we're doing, making sure everyone's on the same page. Honestly, there are long periods of time where I don't leave my house. (laughs) And I <laughs> notice because I'm just working all day every day and I love my job so I enjoy it. I break to cook and to eat or to order food and other than that I'm mostly working on sugar taco, new plant butcher stuff, the asukar tequila and some other, you know, really cool projects that we're working on so. So busy. But then I go to bed at like 10, okay. you know. <laughs> But you do work around the clock, which I love, but I also worry for you. I feel like you need to take some social breaks. Well, I did just go to Mexico for a week. so But I'm sure you worked and you researched and you you did all the things. (laughs) Next question. Dave wants to know, it's a two question one. Where did the name Sugar Taco come from and would you date a (laughs) non-vegan? So Sugar Taco came to me right away when I was thinking of names. I think our design structure comes a lot from coastal Mexico and uh, Isla Mujeres, which is in Quintana Roo, one of my favorite places to visit. It's very bright colors and a lot of contrast. And, you know, there's this specific design element that people often refer to as sugar skull, Mm -hmm. kind of a type of style of design of the skulls. Also, our original menu for Sugar Taco was a massive dessert menu. Like we had just had so many desserts on our menu. And so it kind of just played into both sides of those. And I liked it. And then I looked it up and it wasn't taken. And I was like, okay, sold. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. Awesome. And as far as dating goes... I have definitely in the past dated people that are not vegan, but I think what's important is that people are open to the idea of learning about it. I think if someone knew and they were like, oh, well, I don't care if animals, like we're supposed to eat animals, our feelings on life would definitely not align and I would not date someone like that. But I think if someone was open to learning and understanding and eating vegan around me, at least, <laughs> I would yeah. be open because not everyone knows and that's totally fine. And I've dated people that have transitioned to vegan while we've been dating. Same. You're like, no animals were put on this planet for us to eat. It's a no for me. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I actually agree with everything you just said. That's kind of the approach I take as well. Next question is from Jess. She says, you look amazing. You're in amazing shape. You have the best skin. What do you do? What is your secret? Give us any tips, workout, what you eat in a day, etc. That is a lot of information. <laughs> I know. So I do try to post a lot of what I eat on my Instagram story. I know I'm like the worst at posting on my main page, but I do try to be pretty active on my stories. Honestly, 99% of my skin or my physical is food. Honestly, it's the most important thing. It's what you put in your body three plus times a day. And I really just try to eat as much plants. I know that sounds crazy as possible, but you know, I try to eat as many fruits and vegetables as I possibly can. And they're going to nourish your skin and your body from the inside more than any cream you're ever going to be able to put on the outside of your skin. I have tried everything, (laughs) literally everything. Totally. See, I always preach water, 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 but I think you're a vampire because you don't really like or drink water, but I think you eat so much fruit that it makes up for it. A hundred percent because every time I ever have any ailment, they're like, oh, let's check your hydration. Oh, you're hydrated. I'm like, I don't know how because I will go days without drinking water. And this is not advice. Do not do this. Yes, don't do this. It's really bad for your body. (laughs) But the only reason that I can do that is because I do eat so many fruits and vegetables and things with high water content in them. So I am getting my water. I just get it in 
different ways, but it is true. Like literally water will cure everything. Some days I'll wake up and I'm like, wow, I look a hundred and I'll go chug water, eat a bunch of fruit. I'll eat 10 mandarin oranges and like almost immediately my skin, any fine line on my face or anything will be plumped. So yeah, really really good advice. (laughs) (laughs) I saved this last question from a listener because I don't know if you want to get into this or not. And we can cut it out if you don't want to answer it. But Katie wants to know, tell us everything about being on the hills. Would you ever do reality again? And do you keep in touch with anyone who was on it? Wow. It's so funny because the hills was so long ago. And I think sometimes they replay it currently and people live it like it's happening in the current state because sometimes I'll get like, very angry messages from people and I'm like oh like MTV must be playing the hills again and people think that it's real time but it was like 10-15 years ago the hills was a horrific experience oh no I was tossed into it not knowing anything about reality tv I was dating Brody and he was on the show and we lived together and we were always together. So it kind of just happened naturally. But the first episode that we filmed, I didn't even know there was going to be cameras when we showed up. So you were blindsided. I was. I actually had Invisalign in and I had to like sneak <gasps> off to the bathroom and like take it out because I was not ready. But I was not hair and makeup. No, like I was not prepared. And I was also a little drunk. So it was really terrible. <laughs> but mostly like I have to like give kudos to the producers because they do a really good job of producing the show but it's very manipulative they will say and do whatever they have to to get what they have to get and they'll cut scenes and they'll cut what you're saying and it was pretty crazy and and at the time people were obsessed with the show too so if there was a air quote argument or a issue on the show people thought it was real Mm. we would get followed and yelled at it was very crazy (laughs) like very very crazy you know I always try to say I regret nothing because I'm happy where I am and it definitely was a tremendous learning experience and I'm sure I was given many opportunities to do cool things because of it so you know I am appreciative for everything that got me here but it definitely was sketchy (laughs) to say the least like they pretended that Brody cheated on me and like cut his words off when he never did oh no people be like how would you stay with him and we weren't allowed to say that it wasn't real right but now everyone's kind of coming out Spencer has his own podcast and like he has been very vocal about how fake a lot of them have been so vocal the very last episode they literally had like a a scene drop that there was the Hollywood sign was like fake and it was filmed in a studio it was like a joke just basically yeah and you guys the whole thing was fake which it was so yeah it's definitely something that you think people know but I swear people still watch it and think that it's real I remember having lunch with you and Christine Quinn from Selling Sunset and she was upset because she was getting death threats and you said something super iconic and you said something like listen you haven't made it until you get death threats (laughs) (laughs) it's true though like when someone is like so heavily invested in your life and affected by something that you're doing that they're willing to like take it to that level I'm like damn you are famous now (laughs) like this is happening right And uh, not that it's a positive thing. It just, that seems to be the signal of like, okay, you've made it. (laughs) People are angry enough at you. Like I've played enough villains on reality TV shows to know like I've received so many angry death threats. It's crazy. Yeah, that people are that invested that they would actually send someone a death threat. That's insane. I still get them like from Holly's world because I was like brought on to be the villain. I literally still get them. And I'm like, A, that was fake. And B, that was 10 years ago. (laughs) Please move on with your life. (laughs) I'm like, I'm glad I was such a good actress because I really felt like I wasn't. But obviously, you really believed that this was true. So (laughs) were you like, okay with being portrayed as a bitch? Was it fun for you? Or did it kind of wear on you? Don't get me wrong, I can be a bitch when needed, but I'm not naturally one. So a lot of the times things that they wanted me to do or say was super awkward. For those of you who haven't watched this uh, in Holly's World, there's an actual fight scene where this girl that was on the show is like posing as like a Playboy bunny and she's supposed to be serving us drinks. And no one else that's there is supposed to know that it's fake, right? So it's like a photo shoot with like 20 people. And only me and her and the producers know that this interaction is fake. I was supposed to say something like, oh, you have to do the bunny dip. You're doing it wrong. And she was supposed to pour the drink on me. And then we were supposed to like get into a fight. And the first time I said it, she didn't do it because she chickened out. Oh, no. We're both shaking. We're not actresses. Like, you know, it was very scary. Yeah. And I was like, motherfucker. 
So sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I had to just be rude to her in front of like 20 people in a very like awkward way that I would never do. And now I have to do it again because she didn't pour the drink on me. And so I had to do it again. And then she poured the drink and we got into this little fight. And everyone that was there thought it was like real. And so times like that, it was absolutely terrible because it was so awkward and unfortunate <laughs> for myself. But at the end of the day, I did totally agree to do it. And I just treated it like an acting job. I was in my early 20s. It was fine. I didn't really care what people thought. I only just like hated having to do the little awkward bits of saying things that I would just absolutely never say. Yeah, I feel like in a way it would be super fun if everybody knew it was acting, but like people thought that was actually you. So I could also see that that would be really hard. Yeah, it the people that were acting like that were in the show knew, but like people that were around us that weren't like main characters did not. And that made okay. it a little bit tough sometimes. And also they'd come and start shit talking people to you, like trying to be friends with you, but you actually were friends with that person. And you just kind of oh. had to be like, okay, cool. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> Reality TV as a whole is very tough. And what I do it again, it totally depends Uh, It's definitely not something that I want to do. But, you know, we've discussed this many times when people are like, oh, my God, Sugar Taco, like, needs a show or vegan cooking shows or business investing shows. So I think it just depends. I think if I was given the opportunity to talk about veganism or women in business or Sugar Taco as a brand and I had more control over the content – for sure. I would never do anything like (laughs) the shows I've done in the past. That's my answer all the time too, because a lot of people ask me, because you know, my best friends are on reality, which is a little bit different than what you were in because they're not acting. Like everything that they're doing on Vanderpump Rules is actually real in real life. If they're fighting with someone, like they're actually fighting with them for real. That makes it easier. I don't know if it makes it easier because I'm like, I don't want that drama. I want peace in my life, you know? And I know if I was on something like that, like I would be dragged into things. And I'm just like, the only way I would ever do reality, and not that I am trying to or want to, but the only way I would even consider it is if it would promote either veganism or women empowerment or some like greater cause. And not just like starting drama and fighting. Absolutely. I think also, if you notice, most of these reality shows, it's all women fighting. Yeah. And if they even have like successful businesswomen, but then they'll have them fighting about boy drama. And I'm like, it's not a great representation of women. No. And I'm so over it. All the housewives, these women in their 40s and 50s fighting and having all this drama. And I'm just like, I wish there was something that portrayed women in a better light. And it's sad too, because like most of those women have amazing accomplishments to their name. Yeah. And probably have a lot to teach people and to teach younger women and instead they just like all they want to do is have drama not them but the producers to get ratings and it sucks <laughs> so yeah if there was a show that was not that <laughs> television is, is obviously a great tool to get the word out get the message out educate people in a fun way but I definitely wouldn't do any fighting drama mean girl stuff anymore <laughs> So the last part of her question, do you keep in touch with anyone from those days? No. So I wasn't really friends with anyone from the show except for Brody I was dating, obviously, and all of his friends I was friends with in real life. It has been so long. I mean, I run into Brody every so often, and we're, of course, still cordial. Like, I think he is a great person, and we definitely catch up and whatnot, but it's not like we're like keeping in touch. (laughs) Gotcha. Okay, well, we didn't even touch on Playboy, which we don't have time to now. If the listeners want to hear that, I feel like you've done podcasts before. I feel like you've talked about that story before and where I'm sure they can find it (laughs) elsewhere. One day we can bring you back. Sure. Any upcoming projects, anything else that we should mention? Are we doing that Mexico retreat? Is it going to be (laughs) open for other people or is it closed? Anything else we want to mention before we wrap up? It's kind of scary because there are literally so many things. Yeah. (laughs) One of the coolest things I think we're working on right now is actually what you're spearheading, which is getting our tacos uh, and donuts ready to ship nationwide so that everyone can have sugar taco at their house. And I think that's going to be a really big deal for us. Yeah. We'll definitely alert everyone. (laughs) Totally. Okay. Where can people find you and Sugar Taco and the Plant Butchers? So mine is just Jade Nicole, J-A-Y-D-E-N-I-C-O-L-E. And in my bio, you will find everything else. Our Sugar Taco, our... Plant Butchers, Asukar, The Animal Rescue, absolutely everything is right there in my bio. Thank you so much. This was 
maybe my favorite episode ever because I got to nerd out on all the things I love with someone who has just been so inspiring to me. And I'm just so grateful you're in my life. Hopefully you can inspire others that listen to this podcast as well because you're just so good with helping women with investments and whatnot. Sometimes I am up at 3 a.m. and I respond to DMs. So amazing. give it a shot. (laughs) Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you for having me. It is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.